0: Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Now, here's our lead pastor, J.D. Swilly. I want to tell you a little bit about my grandmother. She went home to be with the Lord on Thursday of last week. It's a week and a half ago. And um, I told you all this last week that when we were on our way to go see her, to say our, not goodbyes, but our see you laters, um, we didn't make it in time, but we still went ahead and we were driving on to Ashland City, where my family's from. All of my family was driving in from all over, and we were going to gather there at the house with my grandfather. And I had this picture of Acts chapter 3, story where there was a crippled guy outside the temple and he's begging for whatever money he can just to live off of, survive of, survive on because he can't work. And Peter and John walk up and they say, you know, we don't have any cash on us today. We forgot to go by the ATM, but we do have something, and we'll give you what we do have, it's the power of God, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk, and the crippled guy jumped up, and he leapt, and he was dancing, and he went, and he was praising God, and what you guys, some of you may have heard me uh, talk about my grandmother, but uh, for 37 years, she has been bound to a chair, and not been able to feed herself, or clothe herself, but she's she's been here, she just couldn't do any of that stuff herself. And, um, but she's in the presence of God now and she's jumping and leaping and dancing and praising God. And I can't wait to get to heaven to see her there. But one of my earliest memories of her when I was just a little boy, my little sister was being born. So my mother was in the hospital. She was at Vanderbilt. My dad was there with her in the hospital. So my grandmother was taking care of me, my oldest grandchild and I remember my grandmother taking me to the store and she says all right pick out a toy I said, like any toy yeah anything that you want pick out anything that you want it's like this is amazing so I think I remember picking out um a Tonka dump truck bright yellow dump truck it was made of metal that's how old I am when toys were made of metal uh And I remember thinking, even as a boy, I remember thinking, it's my sister's birthday, but I get a present, this is cool. And then I I said this, I told my sister this yesterday at the funeral. I said, I told her this story, and actually I told it in front of everybody. And then I said, you know, and that's the way it was, you know, in 1983, on the day that my sister was born, and that's the way it's been all these years, every time on my sister's birthday, my grandmother always sends me a $100 check. And my sister's eyes on the front row were about this big around. And I said, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. But, but I do remember as a kid, and I remember have this memory, and it was the first memory that I have of seeing the generous heart that my grandmother had. My grandmother and my grandfather both are two of the most generous people I've ever known. And generosity is part of her legacy. And it's a word that when I think of Lucille Sykes, I think of the word generous. Growing up in the same house with my grandparents, because you got to remember, I said, you know, 36, 37 years ago, my grandmother had a surgery that kind of went sideways and it left her in a state where she couldn't take care of herself. At the time, I I mean, she was in her 40s and my grandfather's still working. And so we moved our family in with them. We added on to their house. And so I grew up in the same house as my grandparents from the time I was three years old to the time I graduated and left and went to college. And so... All these people think so fondly of my grandmother, and, and I got to live with her and I got a front row seat to see whether or not this woman really was the real deal. Was she who everyone thought she was? And she was. She's real McCoy. She was a faithful woman. She was faithful to her husband, she was faithful to her family, she was faithful to her friends, she was faithful to her church. She was faithful, most importantly, to Jesus Christ. And being faithful doesn't mean that you're perfect. But what it does mean is that in the moments of frustration, in the moments of doubt, in the moments of going, what in the world is going on? You choose to remain tethered to the truth and choose to remain tethered to love. And she did that. She was a faithful woman. And when I think of Lucille Sykes, faithful is another one of the words that I think of. It's part of her legacy. You know, I've grown up in church my entire life. I've been in the ministry now for 19 years. This month makes 19 years of being in full-time ministry. And one of the things that, you know, if you've been in church for five minutes, you know this. You know that prayer is important, right? We all know that here. We know the scriptures that talk about it. We know it's an important thing that we're supposed to do. But not everybody dedicates their life to truly being a person of prayer. See, that's one of my hopes that God would spark something on the inside of you during the 21 days of prayer is that he begins to develop a muscle in you, a prayer muscle, a prayer habit, that after, on day 22 that you're still coming to him in the place of prayer. That's, why, that's one of the reasons why we do these things. These disciplines, it's a spiritual discipline to regularly come to the place of prayer. And again, it's not, we're not going to the place of prayer so that we can just get something from God or so that we can please God. We're going to the place of prayer because God's already pleased with us. And I love him and I want to know his heart more. And I want to know more how he wants to change me and use me. And how he wants to shape the world through my prayers. And not, not everybody does that, unfortunately. Not every Christian does that, unfortunately, but Lucille Sykes did. She was known as a woman of prayer before the surgery that, that crippled her. But after the surgery that crippled her, for the next 36, 37 years, she sat in a chair all day, and she regularly came to the place of prayer every single day, she would pray for the nation, her family, her church, other needs that she would be aware of, other things that the Holy Spirit would speak to her. I remember being, talking with her one time, this is years ago, before um, Jamie and I were married, or maybe it was after, right after we were married, and I was engaged to another girl. And that's a whole other story for a whole other sermon. But anyway, my grandmother, she says, you know, I knew that other girl wasn't right. For you. you know, the Lord told me that. I said, Why in the world did you not tell me? That would have saved us a lot of trouble. But, uh, and of course, you know, she didn't want to manipulate me. So she just waited on the Lord to tell me, but she prayed diligently. She came to the place of prayer diligently. And prayer is one of the words I think of when I think of Lucille Sykes, it's part of her legacy. And I could go on and on and on and tell you a lot of different things that she's going to be remembered for, a lot of different things that are part of her legacy, and and, and I want to just highlight this word, legacy. What is legacy? Some people think that legacy just means like, well, you made a big donation and now your name is on something somewhere. It's on a parking spot. It's on a wall inside a building somewhere, on a placard or you get something named after you. And I'm not saying any of those things are wrong. You obviously made some kind of impact if you know your name gets put somewhere, you know. JD Swilly Memorial Gymnasium, you know. I, they're not ever going to name a gymnasium after me. I wish they would, but I'm just not that good of an athlete. But legacy is about making a difference that outlives you. That's what my grandmother did. She made a difference that's outliving her. The most important legacies are the ones that are not about a parking spot or a placard or someone's name being on the side of a building. The most important legacies are about eternity. And for the Christian, eternity is our great motivation for the decisions that we make in our everyday lives as way that it was for my grandmother in James chapter 414 James tells us that life is like a vapor it's like a puff of smoke it's here in one moment and it's gone in the next and we've got this small window of time here on earth but during that time We've got the opportunity to live our lives in such a way that makes a difference for eternity. See, someday a gymnasium, they're going to tear it down and build a new building. Someday somebody is going to give more money and they're going to put someone else's name on that parking spot. Someday you're going to be walking through the hallway and someone's name is going to be on a placard and it won't make any difference But what you invest in eternity will make a difference for forever and ever and ever. A few years ago, Jamie had a family member that passed away late October. And I remember a few weeks later, she came to me and told me, she goes, my family has decided not to get together for Thanksgiving dinner. They're all just going to do their own thing, but they're not coming together for a big Thanksgiving dinner because everybody was just still reeling with the pain of that family member. And I couldn't understand that. It doesn't make any sense to me. Not get together with the family because you're hurt over the death of of a family member? And it it just would cause too much pain to see everybody? I, I just don't get that. But then she said to me this. She said, well, what you don't understand or what you don't realize is that I've got a lot of family members that don't have any kind of eternal perspective. They don't know how to mourn with any hope. When I thought about that, I was like, oh, well, that makes sense now. If I put myself in their shoes, I might respond to the exact same way. And if we're in Christ, we ought to have an eternal perspective. We have a blessed hope. We know that our life is going to count for something other than just what happens here. Eternal perspective gives us hope for what our life is gonna be like after this life. The Apostle Paul wrote to his protege, Timothy, and he said this, 1 Timothy chapter six, he said, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, don't put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. And right there, he says, Command those who are rich in this present world. So right there, he's already making a distinction about here and there, this realm and the next realm. And he says, but tell them, put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for enjoyment. I like that. It doesn't say, put your hope in God who is a harsh taskmaster and is boring to serve. No, he says, put your hope in God because he richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. God has this life for you to enjoy. And, and he says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and be willing to share. There's that again. Generous. My grandmother was just thinking about that. And in this way, they're going to lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. There's a coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Paul saying that there is a life beyond this life that counts for more than what this life counts for. And it doesn't mean that we get to squander this life, but what it means is what we do here has an effect on what happens next. There's this present world, there's the coming age, and what we wanna do is invest the majority of our efforts, the majority of our life, not into this present world, but in the world to come, in the coming age. And it's easy for us to get carried away with the things of this world. It's easy to get carried away with coronavirus and all the aftermath of the things that we're having to walk through because of that. It's easy to get carried away with the rioting. It's easy to get carried away with elections. But in John 14, Jesus tells us how to direct or redirect our attention and affections. This is what he says, John 14, verse 1. Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. And if that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna take you to be with me so that you can be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Jesus redirects their attention and their affections away from this present world and to the coming age. The disciples came to Jesus with a temporal problem. Jesus pointed them to an eternal solution. The Apostle Paul, he's incarcerated for preaching the gospel. And this is what he writes To the church in Philippi, Philippians chapter three, he says, Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny and their destruction is their destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. What does that mean? It means their God is their own indulgence, it's their focusing on themselves and this present world. What can I consume? Their mind is on earthly things, Paul said, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul does the exact same thing that Jesus does. He says, get your mind off of earthly things that these things, when they're tested by fire, they're gonna burn up. (sighs) Be reminded that what really matters are the things of eternity. You guys, I used this illustration a couple of years ago when we were meeting in the theater, I had this really long rope. You might remember this. And, and I want you to imagine if we had the rope here today, it's a, it's a timeline. And it's a rope of infinity. The, the rope goes as far as you can see that way. And it goes as far as you can see this way. Now, all of this right here, that's the past. That's eternity past. And God exists back there. He always was, always has been. He's infinite. He's infinite. And this way is future. And then right here is where we are today. And in the future, of course, we're there, God is there. He always was, he always is, always will be. And say this section of the rope right here, about from here to here is all we know of human history. It's everything that we know from the beginning to the end of human history. So right here on this rope, You've got Adam and Eve. And then if you fast forward just a tiny bit, I mean, you've got to think, like this is all of human history. It's only this long, so we can't like jump from here to here. So we've got Adam and Eve. Then we have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, then Moses, Joshua, David, and Solomon. Fast forward a little bit more, you've got Jesus. And then you come all the way to here. We've got the Beatles and Steve Jobs and 9 11 and coronavirus and you and me. We're right here on this tiny little dot in this timeline of human history. And all of this eternity past, all of this eternity future. The question is now, like what we're coming to realize now is we're here on this tiny little dot in this timeline. Our life is a mist, it's a vapor, it's a puff of smoke, it's here today, it's gone tomorrow. That is what matters. That's what matters. What matters is that we invest our life into things that are going to matter this way. Not just this finite dot, but the infinite line. So how do we invest ourselves into the coming age? Jesus said this, Luke chapter 12. He said, there was the ground of a certain rich man. He said, it, yielded an abundant harvest so this guy got a good crop in good harvest he thought what am I going to do I've got no place to even store all of these crops that I've harvested then he said this I know what I'm going to do I'm going to tear down my barns I'm going to build bigger ones and then I'll be having a storehouse enough to store my my grain my crops and then I'm going to say to myself you got it made in the shade man You've got plenty of grain laid up for years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. And in this story, Jesus said, God said to him, You're crazy. You you, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded of you. Then who is going to get what you've prepared for yourself? And Jesus said, This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. These are just six little verses here and there's a lot to draw out of these six verses but I think the thing to pay attention to today is this is that with our little bit of time here on earth whether we have a lot whether we have a little whether we're wealthy whether we're just barely scraping by none of that matters whether or not we can be rich toward God. We can be rich toward God no matter how many figures are in our bank account. And this is the thing that Jesus is saying is the primary thing here. Be rich toward God. So how do I become rich toward God? Well, the place for us to start is just by saying, God, here I am. Use me. J.D., are you kidding me? I came to church today for you just... for for you to say that. I mean, I know that already. Great. Now let's, let's live it. Let's live it. James 1.22 says, be doers of the word, not just hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Jesus doesn't care about your stuff. He cares about you. It's you that he wants. And if I give myself to God, what does that mean? Well, it means God owns everything that I have, everything that I am, everything that's at my disposal. All of my energy, all of my efforts, all of my time, it belongs to him. Someone said this once. They said, if one first give himself to the Lord, all other giving is easy. He said, God, I'm yours. Everything I have belongs to you, not just a portion, but everything. Take my life, take my job, take my possessions, take my kids. Some of you are like, yes, Lord, take my kids. (laughs) My grandmother discovered this truth at a young age, and I pray that for all of the young people here. If you're a child in here, you're doing a great job right now. You're sitting up straight, and you're listening, and... I see you back there, buddy. You're doing good. If you're a teenager in here, it's the same thing. I hope you get this principle and solidify it in your heart and your life. That When you go to college, when you go to some liberal college and they try to feed you a bunch of garbage and nonsense about who God is or who he isn't, you're like, no, 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 no. I know the truth. I'm gonna stay tethered to the truth. We continually give ourselves to the Lord, saying, God, here I am, use me. That's where we start if we want to make a difference that outlasts me, outlasts you. That's legacy. For my grandmother, It was these three words that I could think of. Generosity, faithfulness, and prayer. Now, I got to hear four other people at the funeral yesterday eulogize her, and we could go on and say more words that would describe her. And I was thinking about this, and I was thinking this week about, I knew I would be having this funeral, I knew a lot of my time and emotion and energy would be tied up into this. And I said, God, how am I gonna do this? How am I gonna get through this week and then come and and be with the people of God? What do you have for us today? Is there something that is going on in my life, in my family's life today, that can be applicable to the rest of the church family? And there's this idea, a few years ago, I was challenged kind of with this a very similar message to this, very similar idea to legacy. What kind of difference are you going to make that outlives you? How will you want to be remembered? And ultimately, it's not that I want people to remember J.D. Swilly. What I want people to remember is Jesus Christ and J.D. Swilly. It's about him. It's not about Making a name for myself, I don't care about having my name on anything. I care about people seeing Jesus. That's why my grandmother made such a difference. That's why even if she, why she was bound to a chair for 36, 37 years, she was still able to make a difference because of God in her. How many people do you know that can have such an impact on others for almost four, four decades? By, Never leaving their house and sitting in a chair. I don't know. There's only one explanation I can think of, and it's Jesus. So I was challenged with this idea of like, what are words that I want other people to think of when they think of me? What kind of legacy do I want to leave? What are specific things do I want to say, Holy Spirit, I feel like you're going to be working through me to show Jesus to people in these ways? Seven words. Now I shared three of them with you for my grandmother, generosity, faithfulness, prayer. If any of you have been in my house, which many of you have, you may or may not have seen this sitting on a shelf Here are my seven words. I wrote this eight years ago and it just sits here on the shelf in my house and I look at it and I see it and I'm reminded of it often. And here's how I want people to see Jesus in me. The very first one, the biggest one, they're not in any order, but it's the first one that I wrote down was honor. Jesus was a man of honor. Honor. Jesus had opportunity to dishonor people that dishonored him, but he continued to show honor. Jesus had opportunity to dishonor people who were sinful people, but he still chose to love them and not dishonor them. And of course, that doesn't mean he didn't tell them to, you well, you don't need to repent. Yeah, he told them you need to repent, go and sin no more. But to tell someone, go and sin no more is not dishonorable. To say, go and sin no more, you rotten, filthy animal, that would be dishonorable. But Jesus never treated anybody like that. Now, he did call out the Pharisees from time to time because they were people that were supposed to be full of honor, but they weren't. So he's trying to call them a pyre. Honor. One of my words here is steadfast. I wanna be steadfast. What does that mean? That means I don't wanna give up. Times get tough. Times get hard. I wanna be steadfast. I wanna just keep pacing myself, keep taking another step, one step in front of the other. Something comes to try to knock me, knock me down. I might stumble over here, but I'm gonna be steadfast. I'm gonna get right back over here. I'm gonna come back and recenter on Jesus. Patient. Lord, help me with that. Lord, help me with that one still. Maybe that's why I wrote that one down there. It's not because I'm doing it so well. It's not because I'm so good at patience already. It's because I want to see the Lord develop that in me in such a way that when people think of me, they think of a patient person. Some of you might go, I thought you were a patient person. And I would say to you, you don't know what's going on on the side of my head. (laughs) Merciful. I want to be merciful. I want to be known as merciful. I want to be known as faithful, authentic, and a man of prayer. Those are my seven words honor, steadfast, faithful, patient, merciful, authentic prayer. I want to give you just a few minutes. I want you to think about the seven words for yourself. Over here on these four tables, we've got markers, and we have I don't have nice canvases for you like this today, but I do have cards. And on this top, it says seven words. I want you to take just a few minutes and maybe you already know what your seven words are or maybe you just need to lean in and ask the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit what what seven words and don't get hung up on this it's not like if you write this down and you didn't write the right thing you messed it up and your whole rest of your life is ruined (laughs) you can't mess this up okay unless you write greedy that you would mess up then if that's one of your seven words is greedy don't write that Unfaithful. Don't write that. But I, I want to invite you by family. Uh, so one representative from your family, or of obviously if you're a single person, I want you to just go ahead and make your way over to the table, grab a card for yourself or for your family, grab a sharpie marker, come back, come sit down. We're going to give you just a few minutes to write these down and we're gonna just pray to pray together over this. And this is not for you to turn in and for me to grade. This is for you to just take with you and put it, tape it to your bathroom mirror so that you're reminded every day and you say, this is how, this is my legacy that I want to leave. This is what I want people to know me for. This is how people I want, this is how I want people to see Jesus through me. This is how I want God to do a work through me. What are your seven words? Lord, I just pray right now that as as people are writing, Holy Spirit, you're speaking to them. You're ministering to them. God, I thank you that you're full of grace. You're full of mercy your mercies are new every morning. Uh, I just pray right now for people who are either in the room or they're watching online. They might be dealing with some kind of shame or guilt or condemnation or weight that they're thinking, man, I don't, there's no, I can't even think of seven words because I'm just a a rotten, good for nothing. Lord, I just, Holy Spirit, I just pray you to rest people's heart right now and give them a revelation of who they are in you. Holy Spirit, just remind us who we are in Christ. We're the head and not the tail, that we're above and not beneath, that we're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray that this would be a a, a turning moment for some people, God. A tipping point. God, that they would tip over in the right direction, towards you, towards who you're calling them to be, towards your kingdom. You have a very analytical personality like me this is like heart it takes you time for some of you you're just you're right like lightning and that's great that's cool don't don't get hung up or stuck on over analyzing it right now get out of your head a little bit and get into your heart I just want to encourage you to finish not get up from your seat until you finish even if we're dismissed there's people all around just write down the seven words again don't get hung up on overthinking it don't get hung up on shoot if you think of eight words write eight words down it does, I don't care but Don't get hung up on making sure that your penmanship is perfect. That's, that's not what this is about. If you want to do it pretty to where you want to hang it up in your house somewhere for other people to see great, you can go back and, and do something else later. But right now, it's just about what the Holy Spirit's speaking to you right now in this moment about who are you going to be known for? Who? What kind of difference is Jesus going to make through your life? And when people think of view how are they going to think of Jesus in what ways Father in heaven thank you thank you God for using our lives for the legacy of Jesus thank you for using our lives to make an impact that's greater than just our lifetime. An impact to make a difference that outlives us. God I pray that our lives would do that. God, I thank you for your Son Jesus, who it is in him and through him only that any of us can make a difference for eternity God. Jesus, you said, for let, let him who has ears to hear, let him hear. And that's our desire, is we wanna hear what you're saying to us. God, I thank you that you're stirring within us hope for eternity. God, not just going to heaven, but God making a difference with our lives that lasts for eternity, that impacts other people's lives in such a way that it saves people from going to hell, but now they're gonna get to be with Jesus for eternity. That it saves people from making a mess of their lives while they're here on earth, But yet, God, you get a hold of them and you turn them around and they're able to make an impact here that outlives them. Use us in such a way that does does that in other people's lives, God. Stir within us eternal hope and God, give us, every one of us, God, wisdom and how we can be intentional with our lives and with our serving and with our giving. Every part of our lives, help us invest our lives in such a way that makes a difference that outlives us. And it's in the powerful and matchless name of Jesus that we pray these things. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at SeedsChurchTN.com and on social media. Our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what He called them to do. One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.